Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Well, hello again, Cove Church. So great to be with you today as we continue our series called Table Talk. We are going to uh, continue to just be encouraged in this premise that good things happen around tables. That's what we're being encouraged in uh, through this series. And the table we encounter today, among other things, represents uh, an opportunity for some amazing things because it reveals to us God's desire to bring clarity out of confusion. This is always what God wants to do, which I think gives us a lot of hope amidst the confusion of our day. You know, uh, in fact, the great questions that many of us are wrestling through in these days and the issues around us. And we're wondering when we encounter those questions in life, is, is this God bringing confusion or is it me bringing confusion or is it the world or is it the enemy bringing confusion? And we always get to look for the place of clarity because that's what God brings. First Corinthians tells us, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So if we are feeling confused, and maybe you are feeling confused today, we have the opportunity to seek the God of clarity, the God who is our peace. That's what God wants to bring to us. That's what Jesus wants to meet us with at today's table. We're going to explore that truth through today's story, which takes place on the afternoon of the first Easter Sunday. Two disciples of Jesus are reeling in this time because they had seen what what felt to them to be the, the greatest disappointment of life. Jesus was crucified. Jesus was dead. And they didn't see that coming. They are overwhelmed. They are despondent. They are confused. And yet we'll see Jesus is going to change all of that. So the first truth they reveal to us is this. On my own, my sight is clouded. It's true for all of us. On my own, my sight is clouded. Let's pick up the story here. Luke chapter 24, starting verse 13. Let's read it where you are. Big voice. It's it's a big section, but we can do it together. Go. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. Here we have 
two disciples of Jesus. These are folks who had witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus on Friday. They're now walking to a village called Emmaus. The name means hot springs. Literally, it's a town so small that they can no longer say with any kind of certainty exactly where it was, because even at the time, it was so insignificant. It would be like if you go up the McKinsey Highway to the town of Nimrod, okay? It used to be a gas station. There's a few houses, but really, it is nowhere. Nimrod is nowhere. We don't know why they went there. Perhaps they wanted to do some exfoliating at the hot springs, you know, just relax a little bit. But more than that, if you were going to Emmaus, you went there to disappear. You went there to despair. It would seem that's why they were headed to Emmaus. We, we see from the text that Emmaus was seven miles away from Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was the epicenter of Jesus's ministry. It was in Jerusalem that he taught. It was where he was crucified. It was where he was, his borrowed tomb was. It was where the other disciples were staying. Yet these two, they decided to head for the spa. Jerusalem was where all the action was, yet they are now going the other way. Why? Because they were confused. They, they had all their hopes on the fact that Jesus was, was to be the Messiah the one to free them, the one to deliver them. And now he's gone. And so is their hope. Can you imagine how difficult that was for them? Uh, it, it's so clear to us because, because of this truth. Unmet expectation leads to frustration. They were frustrated. We expected this. It didn't happen. They literally hung all of their hopes on Christ only to see Christ hung on a cross in front of them. Imagine their confusion, saying to themselves, how, how could we be so stupid? How could we give Jesus our hearts only to have our hearts ripped out? There was a profound disappointment in their lives. And that created a very real confusion, a very real disillusionment. All they could see was clouded. Same can happen with us. At some point in our lives, we will face that same thing. Saying, God, I thought you were supposed to do this this way, but you didn't. God, I thought my life was supposed to look like this, but it doesn't. God, how could you let them go? God, how could you let them hurt me? God, how could you let them die? And those very real questions create very real confusion. And we find ourselves walking our own road to Emmaus, a road where everything we knew, everything we see is clouded by pain. They thought God was done. They thought God had left them. Have you ever been there? But here's the beauty. It's there in that place that Jesus starts walking with them on the road. <laughs> right there in that place, Jesus starts walking with them on the road. Now, Jesus hid his identity for now, but he was right there. I mean, and think about how many times is that true for us? We think we're walking on our own, yet Jesus is still walking with us. 
We just don't see him yet. That's exactly what happens here. And, and this part, it always makes me laugh because I think it makes Jesus laugh. I think he does this stuff on purpose. Jesus knows the secret that he's alive. And so he does this great setup. He starts walking by them, doesn't let them recognize who he is. And he's like, so what y'all talking about? <laughs> What's going on, huh? What's the news, you know? And Cleopas is like, are you the only one that doesn't know everybody's talking about this? All the stuff that has happened, you don't know about Jesus of Nazareth? He's like, dude, what rock did you climb out from under? And Jesus is smiling because he knew he did just climb out from under a rock. And Cleopas, bless his heart, starts to tell Jesus all about Jesus. <laughs> I think Jesus thinks that's funny. Because Jesus lets him do it. I think that's hilarious. This is what Jesus does when we let Jesus walk with him. Jesus, Jesus listens to us and Jesus engages with us. Jesus asks us questions. I mean, think about it. Just in general, is there anything we can tell Jesus that Jesus doesn't already know? Really? Really? Is there anything we can tell God that God doesn't already know? Of course not. But Jesus loves to hear us tell him about it anyway. You ever have a kid tell you about an experience? Maybe they, they went to the ocean for the first time and they saw the, the, the giant waves breaking at the ocean. Now they come up like a mountain and they crash down with this, this boom sound and they get soaked from the spray. And, and, and you're just enraptured as this child is telling you about it. Now, I know how waves work as a grown-up. I know I understand a bit about the moon's gravity and how water can move from liquid to vapor. I know all that stuff, but it's a joy to hear them speak of it. It's a joy to hear them describe it to me in their own words. That is Jesus with us every time we come to him. These folks told Jesus his own story, how Jesus was crucified, how they'd hoped he was the one to redeem them. And now the women went to see him and that the body's gone and the angels told him that he's alive and now it's the third day. And then they're like, it seems like we're out of time. And so we don't know what to do. But what they forgot was that the day wasn't over yet. <laughs> God wasn't done. God was just getting started. And friend, that's true for you. Day's not over yet. We forget that we serve the God of the just in time, the God of the last minute, the God of the miracle play, the God of the last day. Guess what? Regarding whatever you see today that wants to create confusion in your life, guess what? The day's not over yet. God's not done with you. Jesus wants to walk with you. Would you let him? Because on my own, my sight is clouded. It's the first thing. Here's the second. In God's presence, my sight is challenged. Let's continue the passage. Big voices, go. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? 
And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? So Jesus responds to all that they think they know. And his response, it's pretty strong. Oh, foolish ones. <laughs> I think it's a kind rebuke, but it is a rebuke. How foolish, how, how slow to believe. You, you, you don't get it, huh? Guess what? You, you still don't see. And then Jesus does something to get them unstuck, to begin moving them past their confusion. And Jesus does so by unpacking the scripture with them. Here's the truth. God often does not let us fly over our difficulties. Instead, he reveals to us the path for walking through them. And God reveals that path through the scripture. That's what scripture does. Here's a way to look at the Bible. Okay, when, when you think of it, you've got the Old Testament and the New Testament in the Bible. I think even better would be to say you've got the Old Testament, you've got the Gospels, okay, and then you've got the New Testament. The Gospels are the stories of Jesus. Here's a way to look at it. The Old Testament points towards the story of Jesus. The Gospels tell the story of Jesus. And the New Testament points back to the story of Jesus. It all points to Jesus. Jesus is the centerpiece. It's all about Jesus. That's what Jesus shows them. That's what Jesus does. He unpacks the Old Testament with them and says, beyond anything else here, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see me. In all that Old Testament, it all points to me. So here's what happens. Jesus walks with those confused by what they see in order to reveal to them what God sees. Jesus is showing them that all scripture points to Christ. Jesus brings revelation to them. And what's interesting is that the stories that he told them, they weren't new stories to those folks. These were good Jewish people. They, they knew their Old Testament. But Jesus brings a new application to an established truth. Jesus never changes God's truth. Jesus gives us a new application for God's truth. It's like when I um, was first dating Paula and she told me she was a crocheter. I only, I, I thought of grandmas. I thought of, of doilies. I thought that that's, that, that, that's like knitting. I had a lot of thoughts that, that, that were you know, included when I thought about crocheting. But as I've gotten to know Paula, I've learned that crocheting is so much more. That she can crochet beautiful blankets and she can crochet warm hats. Some of them even with beards built in. That's a nice touch. She, she can crochet amazing kitchen rags that, that work better than anything else, kitchen wash rags, and she can crochet baby Yoda for crying out loud. It's amazing, awesome stuff. It's a new application 
to an old truth. I thought crocheting was this. I found out it was more. Maybe one day she'll crochet me a tool belt. I don't know. But this is what Jesus is constantly trying to do with us, to take what we know about Jesus and to say to us, yes, that's true, but wait, there's more. Here's what you know about me. Yes, absolutely true, but wait, there's more. And the truth we see here is that Jesus is talking to us long before we know we're talking to him. Jesus is talking to you right now in hopes of one response. You know what that one response Jesus is talking to you about right now leads to what he wants for us? It's this, would we ask him to stay? That's what we see in the story. That's what they do. They invite this random stranger from their walk to join them for dinner. Would you stay? And Jesus, of course, says yes. Whatever you're walking through in your life right now, the solution is presented right here. It's saying to Jesus, would you come and sit with me in the midst of my confusion? In the midst of my questions, would, would you stay with me there in that place? In the midst of my disappointments, would you let me see who you are? And Jesus' answer to that honest question is always, Yes, I'll stay. Too often, I, I think we do this. We direct our issues at God, but we never seek input from God. We don't really even give God a chance to respond. We just kind of get mad at God and then throw our issues at him, but we don't give God a chance to, to say, here's, here's me speaking back into that. It's like, it's like a drive-by lamentation, you know, just, woe is me, God, things are really rough. I just drive off, you know, I'm gone. We never let God respond to our lament, to our confusion, to our question. We just whine and go. And yet the truth revealed here is this. When we invite God to stay with us, God reveals a way for us. That's when everything changes. And it happens right here at the table. It happens right here when Jesus breaks the bread and gives it to them and they go, wait, it's you? And poof, he's gone. <laughs> and they say to each other, weren't our hearts burning when he talked about the word? Did you feel that? That was crazy. Side note, here's just a side note right out of that. We often see Jesus better with our hearts than with our eyes. <laughs> we often see Jesus better with our hearts than with our eyes. So Jesus challenged their hearts to see the world, and then he appeared so that every person could see that Jesus had overcome the world. And Jesus wants to do that with us. He wants to challenge our hearts regarding how we see the world. He wants to change that because in God's presence, my sight is challenged. That's the second thing. Here's the last thing. At God's table, my sight is clarified. Let's finish out the passage, Luke 24, verse 33. Big voices go. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them 
when he broke the bread. So they get up to go back to Jerusalem and we see them download what had happened. And it's like a, a focusing lens. We see now everything starts to become clear. It was no accident that they finally saw Jesus when he broke the bread because it is a direct reference to the Last Supper. The symbol of Christ's body broken, his sacrifice, it points us to the truth of why such good things happen around tables. And here it is. When I see Jesus clearly, I see the world clearly. And this tells us that we see Jesus clearly at the table. When we gather around a table with Jesus at the center, remembering his body broken, his blood poured out, connecting with Christ as the disciples did. That is the moment that we see clearly. That's why we get to keep coming to the table with Jesus because it is there we see the truth. The disciples declare it, right? It's so, it's so clear now. This is true. Jesus is alive. And Cleopas and his companion are like, we totally agree. We saw Jesus at the table. There's no confusion now. It's only clarity. That is the clarity that's found at God's table. They could finally see through all the wind and the waves to the only truth that matters. Jesus is alive. And if that's true, <laughs> then everything else in my life is going to be okay. The ultimate answer to my confusion is the truth of Christ's resurrection. You can put that truth up against any disappointment in life and it changes how you see it. I remember the first time I was in Alaska and um, we're staying in kind of horrible conditions with rainy and, and puddles in our tent and fishing wasn't nearly as good as it was supposed to be and it was cold and, and we were getting eaten up by these tiny bugs and so we're all eaten up and we're, getting, we're falling down ledges and we're all beat up and bruised. But even in the midst of all those feelings, there would be times in the midst of that pain we would just stop and go, but wait, we're in Alaska <laughs> and we'd rejoice. Yes, it's like this, but guess what? We're in Alaska, and that truth overrode everything else. Jesus is alive, and that fact changes everything. Yes, I, I get it. We have real problems. We have real trials. We have real struggles. But Jesus is alive. <laughs> And because of that, we can be alive with him. So much of what consumes us today will not even be a memory in light of eternity with Jesus. and won't even be a memory in heaven. We won't remember any of it. Whether it's that guy who cuts you off today or that bill that's yet to be paid or that crisis with a customer at work, it starts to get real small when we remember that Jesus is alive. And one day we'll be alive with him. 
I can find my purpose through him. I can be comforted by him. I can find my identity in him. I can get my direction from him. Suddenly all my confusion fades to the back behind that one compelling truth. As the Apostle Paul described, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The resurrection means I miss out on nothing. The resurrection of Jesus shatters my confusion by revealing the clarity of hope that we have amidst the troubles of this life. We have been redeemed. And that changes everything. A living Jesus redeems our struggles and our purpose and, yes, our confusion. And where did it happen? It happened at a table with Jesus. Because at God's table, my sight is clarified. I'll wrap up with this. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Many of us have found ourselves walking roads of confusion today. But yet today, you're invited to the table of clarity. Maybe you're facing some disappointments. Maybe there's some unmet expectations, some confusion, some struggle. God wants to reveal himself to you. And ultimately, God wants to redeem you. My encouragement, would you let him? Would you let Jesus walk with you? Would you let Jesus teach you? Would you let Jesus sit with you at the table? Would you get where you can hear his voice? In that God will not only reveal his truth, but impart his redemption because of this. The table of faith is God's solution to the road of confusion. Invite Jesus to your table. And then invite others to join you there with him. In doing so, you can trust that God is moving, that God is speaking, and that you will see Jesus in your world clearly when you sit with Jesus at the table. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at Cove Church PNW. We'll see you next time.